Welcome to Watch Korean Cinema, episode 38 on Double Agent. And you can take a far more gentle approach to North Korean infiltration into South Korea as opposed to the animalistic head-chopping ways in Shiri. <laughs> and when you're a screenwriter making your directorial debut, it makes sense that it is less noisy and more story-driven. And this is what you'll face in Kim Hyun Jong's Double Agent in from 2003. And we're here to discuss it. My name is Kennedy, and with me is uh, Paul Quinn of Hango Celluloid, who, uh, as always, programmed uh, uh, this uh, this uh, these episodes. He, well, I suggested Shiri. Yep. He got he got the task to provide a counter or something that's connected to Shiri in a way, thematically, style-wise. And he picked. Double agent in a little. Uh, give us a little short, uh, short bite-sized like, like why double agent uh, versus Shiri. Essentially, you said north and south, and I thought, oh, north and south, and we started with Shiri to look at Han Suk Anybody that's listened to the previous podcast will know. I think is hugely underrated and should be as well known internationally as Choi Min Sik and Song Kang Ho. Um, so it made sense to take another North South film that also had Hansel Q to push his profile a little bit further because I think he deserves it. That was as simple as the the link went. It's a valid one. It was not like. My size of girl versus Shiri? Is that connected? No, no, he's not. No. <laughs> Do it again. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Assassination? You're just thinking of the actors, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, well, totally, totally. <laughs> What else is there to do? I mean, uh, I can't blame you. Uh, at any rate, um, let's uh, let's uh, talk this, uh, but uh, go through some contact information. And uh, this is What's Korean Cinema on the podcast on Fire Network. You all know why that uh, episode, uh, uh, that uh, show title came to be. I was an immature prick once saying like, what's Korean cinema? I'm like a Hong Kong guy. I don't know what Korean cinema is and dismissed it. But now I'm... Uh, uh, making up for my past sins by engaging and researching old Hong Kong, uh, old Korean cinema, new Hong Kong, uh, <coughs> new Korean cinema, and getting a feel for what it was all about. What was the context of it? What was the context of the Korean cinema new wave? And this is, you know, part of it if you look at what production year it was part of, but c- certainly not this uh, movie that uh, went boom internationally. I'd, I'd never heard of Double Agent before, to be honest. Uh, but uh, that's what we do here on What's Korean Cinema. Uh, talk uh, talk uh, old and new. And uh, you can find us on podcastonfire.com. We've got plenty of other shows on Hong Kong cinema, Japanese cinema. We do audio commentaries every now and again, produce bonus episodes, talk adult-only movies, and what have you. So make your choice. Hope you find something you like. And if you are a first-time listener to us, uh, maybe you were a Hansu Q fan and found a podcast bearing uh, bearing his name and uh, or that he he was seemingly part of the content then thank you for taking a chance on us and listening and uh, let us know what you thought of the show what you think of double agent what you think of the actor hansu q in this case and you can do that on email podcast on fire at googlemail.com or join us over on facebook yeah we have a handy button that leads us uh, you to our page but we also have a discussion group that you can find on facebook by typing in podcast on fire network and uh, join the very friendly group for show updates and discussion and so forth no not maybe you know enough uh, gushing over uh, female korean actresses in posts and what have you but paul uh, paul is lacking clearly so he needs to pick up that pace and post pictures for no reason it's just it's a, it's a difficult balance you know there are people that, that just get offended by you saying oh isn't she lovely I, which i don't understand but there you go so 
in, in today's day and age, I think you can get away with saying, isn't she lovely? Is it a proper gentleman th- thing to say? We know, we'll, we'll con- continue to consider it. At any rate, uh, you can also join us on Twitter by following the button. You subscribe to us on iTunes if you want uh, your podcasts delivered to you promptly that way. We have a link to it. And stream us on Stitcher Radio, either via their application or online. And uh, just type in uh, Podcast on Fire Network or What's Korean Cinema and you'll find us. I review Hong Kong and Taiwanese movies uh, with, uh, as I always say, a little, little sprinkle of Korea every now and again. Mainly if a movie shot in Korea, martial arts movie shot in Korea. You know, with the telltale sign that they use for at least martial arts movies to to make them stand out. The telltale sign of it being in Korea was that they often shot during uh, the snowy season or somewhere where it it most often is snow, right? And uh, they have like final fights in like mildly covered snowy landscapes or sometimes even fully covered snowy landscapes. At the end of the Chinese boxer, for instance, with uh, Wang Yu versus Law Lit. I believe that was shot in Korea. It looks like it anyway, and it looks great. So Yeah, you can sort of tell, can't you? So Good Reviews is the site. I have a video hub over at sleazykvideo.com and my tweets are available at So Good Reviews. Hangolcelluloid.com where you can find a review of Double Agent if you merely want to write, uh, read. You know, you don't want to listen. Maybe you just want a quick read. Then head over to hangolcelluloid.com, right? I think you guys should do both. Listen to the podcast and then nip over and read the review. There you go. Um, if you if you get obsessed with Hang Suk Q, there are a load of reviews of his other films like Christmas in August, Into the White Night. Check out com to find out all about the man that nobody internationally knows. Have you reviewed his uh, latest uh, prison one or it hasn't come out on disc yet or streaming yet? It hasn't come out on disc yet. I'm, I'm, I saw it. I, I flew out to Korea for a couple of weeks holiday um, in September and it was one of the films that was you know, provided by Korean Air. So I've, I've seen it twice, once on the way and once back. So I'm going to review <laughs> well, it. But I did a film called Snowy Road, which was a phenomenally beautiful film about comfort women. And I had access to it because of sort of press entitlement. And I had a couple of messages from people saying, where can we see this? Where can we see this? And it's not available. So I'm sort of, for the time being, sticking with stuff that is kind of available. So prison will be waiting until it comes out in dvd which it which it clearly will i would say sooner rather than later but it's in the it's in the mix it'll come out once people can actually get their hands on it excellent and as for the rundown of uh, the double agent episode we, we have some spa sections coming up it's not as filled as the sherry episode but there, there is some context nonetheless and i'll place time time codes for the relevant sections in the show post and we open with some information on screenwriter turned director kim hyun jong and his one-time directing stint. He made Double Agent and has not directed a movie since. Uh, this will be followed by some very basic notes on the North and South Korean conflict. I mean, I'm, I'm not the guy who to really talk in an educated way about this, so I'll try to keep it basic. Hopefully it's correct as well. And uh, we'll provide some notes on uh, defection as well, because that, that is a key plot element in Double Agent. So we'll conclude with the review of uh, Double Agent at the end of the episode, or rather the, the latter half of it. And the uh, plot from Paul's review over at HangolCelluloid.com that uh, we'll link to, and it goes as follows. Uh, Byung-ho, played by Han suk is a North Korean who has been a government agent in East Berlin for a number of years. However, in 1980, he crosses Checkpoint Charlie, attempting to defect to South Korea with North Korean 
operatives hot on his trail. Barely escaping, Byung-ho is rescued by South Korean intelligence but is almost immediately taken and repeatedly tortured to ascertain if his allegiances really have changed. No matter what brutality he is subjected to, Byung-ho continues to cry ferociously for South Korea's freedom and as uh, the South's trust in him gradually grows. He is enlisted as a South Korean agent. Nonetheless, the question still remains. Uh, are his loyalties, loyalties now truly with the South? Or is he nothing more than an undercover infiltrator still working for the North? And uh, we we also have... Uh, I'm, I'm sure it, it will get into the discussion. Although we'll... You know, I, I think per definition this has some spoilers, this discussion, but you know, we won't spoil mm. the ending. But there, there, there is sort of a midpoint thing, or even way before the hour mark, that uh, when we get the introduction of a female character. Yeah. That's not a major spoiler because we know of it so early in the film, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it a little vague, drop it if it feels natural to drop it into the discussion. But I, I think if you want to go in totally clean, uh, then, you know, watch the movie and return to the podcast if you want your movie totally unspoiled but uh, so there's a little spoiler warning without a major alarm or anything we won't start at you in that regard like woo 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult call in a film like this if it had been a twist like 75 minutes in then yes I think we would have kept it vague but when it comes to uh, that female uh, character that uh, I don't have the actress now I'll, I'll look it up but uh, when it comes to her her name is uh Co young, so young, excuse me, co so young. And we'll talk a little bit about her later on. We we don't have a lot of background notes on the director because Kim Hyun Jong only has this film within the filmography in the capacity of director, and he has more of a profile as a writer in the new millennium, including on this one and uh, uh, including on his one and only directed film at hand here. I don't know if he had co-writers on this, but he certainly probably wouldn't, you know, if he was a writer before, then there, there was a good chance that he wanted to get in on the writing as well as directing. Yeah. As, as far as I'm aware, he was he was sole writer on this. Um, he does has done a lot of collaborations in writing, and we'll, we'll talk about those, but, you know, Double Agent was his. But he has other credits as writer on movies such as Public Enemy, The Untold Scandal, and uh, Radio Days with a Z at the end, or Z depending on where you came from. Come from. Uh, but is there anything you know in particular to link the material across uh, these movies? Or Kim wrote a vi- wide variety of stories without a, like a one theme. There is nothing to link them whatsoever, either in genre or in terms of fame of director, or in terms of actual storyline. You know, Untold Scandal is a film by E.J. Young, which was based on Dangerous Liaisons. Public Enemy was one of the the iconic new Korean cinema wave gangster movies. Radio Days is essentially a musical-based romantic comedy. Wang Jin Yi is about a courtesan. The story's been made like 12 times over the years by... Bei Chang Ho, etc., etc. So th- there's nothing to link. They're all just things he's been involved in because I assume he's either pushed to be involved in them or been asked to be involved in them. Any uh, spontaneous notes on uh, the likes of Public Enemy and uh, the Anton Scandal? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Public Enemy did get one sequel, right? Uh, another Public Enemy or Public Enemy 2. Public Enemy's had a number of sequels. Really? Kang Woo Sung, who is the director of Public Enemy, 
I interviewed him. I'm sorry, you're going to have the link, but uh, no, no I inter- I'm interview- all about uh, raising your profile as well, even though you're, you're widely famous in my eyes, sir. Thank you so much. Um, I interviewed him a couple of years ago, at, once again, the London Korean Film Festival, and he said Public Enemy was a subject that he can't stay away from, and he's done you know, three public enemy versions and he's heading towards revisiting it again. Is it like straight sequel style or does he use the sort of theme to make new stories but with the common title? He's quite original in the way he he hits them. He just has a very general base link because it's, you know, the whole gangster thing and he, he renames them to because they're part of the idea that he's got in his head but they are... They are separate films, but you know, hugely the original Public Enemy is, is you know required viewing if you're looking at New Korean cinema as such. The others slightly less so, but you know he, as in terms of directing, he was so iconic that he went and produced loads and loads of phenomenal films, including Cast Away on the Moon, which I know I know is a favorite of both of ours. So it's really iconic. Untold Scandal is my favorite E.J. Young film. It's it's phenomenal. It's got Jindo Young in it. Double Agent, we'll talk about Radio Days, completely throwaway. There is no real link. He's just been doing project after project up to 2008. The Double Agent uh, happened, uh, you know, in, in the midst of this. And is there any official information available in terms of... Uh, you know, if uh, if the disappointing box office made it difficult for for Kim to land a job, or did he just get turned off by directing, or because, uh, because there's not, and he's also not a, a active after two thousand and eight. So, like, what happened in terms of in terms of that, or is there just silence on the internet in terms of that? He did an interview, I think, with Cine Twenty One, which is a, a big Korean sort of. It's it's a review thing, and it also invests in this, that, and the other. He did an interview with them, I think, two thousand and five, two thousand and six, where he talked about the difficulties he was having in terms of carrying on any sort of directorial career because of the changes that were taking place in Korean cinema, where the big conglomerates, the big film studios were deciding what was going to be made and were throwing money at things that they wanted to see rather than projects that directors were interested in doing projects that directors were trying to push themselves so i assume that's why he hasn't done any more films as far as why he hasn't done any scripts since 2008 i would assume the same changes have shafted him there as well because a lot of these big studio companies now will aim for specific writers to produce the content that they want produced or a team of writers. Um, and if he's not in the loop, he's just not going to get the work. So you can't say for sure. There's been no word that I've found of him talking about why he stopped writing scripts, but I would assume him talking about the difficulties of making a film carries on to the same problems in other areas of his work. Maybe he has just gone and got a real job. I don't know, um, but but I think it's quite likely. Yeah, you never know how how someone wants to or can uh, go with the flow and with the wind of change, uh, so to say, whether it's creatively fulfilling or not. Sometimes you need to employ yourself, and uh, well, I can write a shallow script. 
for sure, but it's not what I want to write, and some simply can't or won't. Uh, so may- maybe that's the scenario. And you know, as a matter of fact, uh, according to research, the double agent wasn't a, a hit at the box office. So, in your view, uh, if, if you have any view, of why wasn't this hitting a chord with audiences? So was it a lack of stars? Was it the timing? Because the issue of the North and South has not meant an instant automatic death at the box office because we've had Shiri, we've had JSA and several movies I'm sure uh, before and since. So uh, so what's your take on that? As far as I'm concerned, it failed because it tried to hit a story in a, a kind of a cerebral way rather than an action in your face way. Um, and people were disappointed by that because they were expecting action, action, action. On the downside... I, not to give too much away for what I'm going to say later on, I think it would have worked a lot better if the story had been more intricate and more involved to allow it to be a thoughtful thing. Um, I think it's it's a little bit predictable, and, and therefore it didn't hit audiences that well. In terms of star power, you got Hansa Q, who at the time, we've said it in last week's podcast he was the tom cruise of korean cinema and 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 he'd been away for a couple of uh, years uh for health reasons as well so he, yeah. he, it wasn't uh you know the next new movie that everyone everyone had been waiting six months for since the last movie from last year this was like four 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 and a half years later mm-hmm. but he was paired with a, an actress who was huge called koso young she's most well known for horror movies I guess she was in a film called The Fox with Nine Tails with um, Jung Woo Sung which was one of her earliest films but it's it's astonishing in terms of what she does She's she owns the screen and she did in a lot of her films when Double Agent was released most of the criticism aside from the story was against her performance they said there was no chemistry between her and Hansa Q and a lot of her scenes supposedly she didn't hit the mark and i i, I kind I, I, of i think that's that's off the mark to be honest not to give my uh, views away but uh, yeah i think there are there are a couple of issues and i don't think the chemistry was as good as it could be but i think that's not down to her problem i think that's down to a problem with the story well well uh, to uh, a very brief thing the story didn't dictate that this was super super romantic or steamy or anything it's uh there, there, there's a lot of burden on uh on people in, in this story and uh there's you know politics involved but anyway yeah very much so and there's a feeling that as you go through the film you don't really think that they're a couple and they end up being a couple at some point but you never see it building and it doesn't seem to so there are issues but i don't think i don't think she was deserving of the criticism she got and she got she got most of the criticism uh, i mean i know critics are there to say good or bad because but 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 sometimes i just think they're um, they're on power trips just because they they can write totally and there's there's an element of that thing of no matter what a film no matter how good a film is there are some types of critics that will you know for a fact at some point they will pull something out and say but this is what makes it fail and you just think there's no need you know sometimes it seems so fake and it seems so pushed that they are just 
harshly critical when it's not wholly necessary and they they aim at specific things that other critics aim at and it snowballs and i think it's very unfair yeah i mean it's all obviously it's an easy thing to say but it's you know there's no right or wrong in criticism no, totally, uh, but, totally. but, but the wrong thing in criticism is to be definite to state uh, something definite and to have a base that deems an opinion definite as well and therefore we're gonna be negative and that's gonna be a snowball effect and i don't really like that uh, personally so uh, we often talk of the conflict between north and south korea and this is just basic info i i had to research it a little because i'm I'm not i'm not very smart so i need to research stuff even basic stuff right but we we haven't talked of this north and south korean conflict in terms of its uh you know basis in history where it stems from like like when we did the jsa episode we focused more on the dmc and because the movie does so uh, we, we didn't yeah. uh, go back as such but um, you know per definition more of a dictatorship obviously North Korea it has been led by uh, Kim Jong-il of course uh, that is now passed to his son Kim Jong-un at the time of recording 2018 if you listen to this in 15-20 years maybe there's someone else there I don't know <laughs> maybe, maybe there'll be reunification you never know uh, but the movie movie's timeline uh, because this is set in the 1980s and a little bit onwards uh, means that it's Kim Il-sung who's the leader of uh, North Korea at this point, uh, the, uh, the father of Kim Jong-il, right? Uh, yeah. Both, you know, essentially the North and South would claim, would like to claim that they're the government of the entire peninsula. So, so something they obviously are not in, in agreement on then or now. Uh, the North was backed, for instance, during the Cold War by the so- Soviet Union, along with other communist states, while the South had support from the United States. And the division itself occurred during the end of World War Two. the North and South uh, divide, if you will. Tensions came to the forefront even more during the Korean War, and that war, of course, isn't actively fought, but the division remains, and the sides are essentially still at war because there's no peace uh, treaty, yeah. right? So there, there, there is there is a ceasefire, even though there, there are events sometimes at the DMC, shootings and uh, attempts at defection and what have you, but um, uh, we, we've been at a standstill, so to say, but no peace uh, treaty at this time. Uh, the United States are a military presence uh, currently uh, there to help sort of deter any possible attack from the north. And uh, as we're well aware of now, in 2018, the more isolated Kim Jong-un is making North Korea. At the same time, they're, they're more actively shaping their nuclear capabilities uh, to uh, to protect themselves, uh, so to say. So um, it's, a, it's a feisty time, especially between the United States and North Korea at this point. Uh, bizarrely feisty, but that's another story. Well, yeah. Uh, the issue of North Koreans defecting to the South is brought up publicly at points, uh, whether they're defecting for political, ide- ideological, religious reasons, and, and that number actually saw an increase in the 1990s, um, picking more in 98 and 99 during the North Korean famine. People often go through or went through China, uh, you know, across the border to China. But since China maintains somewhat of an ally status with the North, which is true still today, yeah, yeah, they they don't grant people refugee status, but rather they're seen as illegal economic migrants, and they're they're sometimes, maybe even often, sent back if they're caught in China. Yeah. And uh, it's not necessarily pretty when they return to the North because there you could be 
slated for um, for punishments such as political um, imprisonment uh, or you'll sent to re-education camps possibly and the, the number of the defectors and defections they continues to decline actually uh, mostly thanks to stricter border patrols um, and inspections and so forth but there are stories of even legal successful transitions uh, such as in april 2016 where 13 North Korean restaurant workers used official passports and visas and eventually were approved for social uh, resettlement in um, in South Korea I believe but they went through China I believe but they they had uh, they had the legal paperwork to uh, to continue um, to continue to stroll on uh, so to say is that something you follow um, in, actively or do you just pick up on news when when they occur you know uh, events at the DMC or defections and stuff like that I mean, essentially, you just you pick up what's going, what turns up here, there, and everywhere. And certainly, in London, there are more and more organisations that are sort of based at highlighting the the troubles of North Korean defectors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they'll often bring over North Korean de- defectors, whether military or civilian, who have managed to escape to give talks and stuff. So you you keep up with it. On that level, as well as that, if if you're following Korean cinema, you can't get away from the changes because they constantly talk about it. And I think it's a very worthwhile thing to do, even though some of the narratives are really quite harsh and they show the difficulties that northern people have when they do defect. It's not all straightforward once they get here. Before we get into the quick text, uh, I just thought of something. Do you know, and if you don't, then... I don't know, I'll cut it out. But there, there, there's a there's a brief line at the beginning of the movie where they say, "Why did you use your North Korean accent when he's addressing a crowd? Are they North and South Korean accents? Are they are they wildly different to the point where they don't understand each other, or it's or it's just a mildly different thing? Do you know anything about that? They'll understand each other. Some of the grammar is slightly different, and the accent is getting more different as the years go on. They'll certainly understand each other, but if you listen to a North Korean and then a South Korean, the North Korean almost sounds like a a harsher, sharper sort of accent rather than the South, which is quite singy and and wheely almost. So there are certain differences in terms of tonality and in terms of grammar, um, but they can certainly understand each other, so... Is that something you uh, pick up on when listening to the movie that in some scenes Hansu Q is is being more northern or he doesn't really attempt that as such? Yeah, very much so. I mean, when you when you hear see him doing that flag thing, yeah. Once you've listened to a lot of South Korean accents of conversation, you can actually hear that it is different. Aside from the fact that he's shouting, it actually sounds the words he's using sound different than if he was using the words in a South Korean accent. So, yeah, over time, you can you can get to grips with it. Mostly, you just notice that it's different. It's the same thing if you've got films that are set in very rural areas of South Korea, their accents will be largely different from things set in Seoul. And that's why you can tell someone's from, you know, the suburbs, someone's from the city. I guess the same as internationally as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it pops up in... Uh... In Hong Kong and, uh, and Chinese films as well. Uh, I mean, the Cantonese and Mandarin dialects are so you can say they're different languages as well because it's not automatic yeah. that they do understand each other. And, and, and there's also the issue of uh, dialects being more 
countryside dialects and people coming off as more country bumpkins uh, because uh, if if speaking it uh, with uh, people in in the modern metropolis and all of that so uh, okay cool thanks for that context uh, as for uh, the review of double agent we're already there and my quick opinion did, did, it's a very solid uh, confident and technically efficient directorial debut that feels logical in tone and style and feel for a screenwriter because it is story and dialogue focused, but it doesn't have a dull, talky frame as such. I think uh, the local issues are well conveyed and rather easily understood. Maybe not deep, deep as such, but the plot beats are very well understood. And I think our director Kim here, he, he makes enough noise as a storyteller when, when there's tensions to be to to be injected into all of this. And uh, he also, and I have a point of this later, about this later, he also doesn't hold our hands all the effing time which is a little bit of a sign of confidence as well uh, and in a way i think it's a shame that this was the only movie that he made because i, I think uh, the handling is quite um, sensible uh what do you think in short of a double agent is a revisit to it i tend to agree with you virtually wholeheartedly i think it's a an accomplished piece of work by a first-time director who bravely chose to approach a subject in a more, not necessarily dialogue-based way, but in a more intelligent way than just having huge action set piece after action set piece. There, there are action set pieces, but they're they're fairly few and far between. There's a lot more of characters saying a certain line of dialogue, which makes one or other of our main characters have a look in their eye, and you know exactly what's going on in their head. They think they may have been accused of something or whatever not to give too much away i think it's an accomplished work i think the set pieces work really well the film for example opens with real life footage of a north celebration to you know of the the birthday or whatever of of camille son and they intersperse it by putting hansuk q in a north korean uniform marching with the troops and it's it's for the time, it's quite simply done, I guess, but it worked. I've seen worse uh, cutting and pasting of an actor onto um, another person. Uh, you know, it, it's it's noticeable that they're doing it, but this was two, 2003 in South Korea, you know, I mean, CGI was not big in those days. I, I think those sort of things work well, and I think when they do do the action pieces, it's it's needed, it, It's it's what you want to see. It works for me, and it's a human story as well. The, the, the thing I sometimes fear, because I, I'm being cheeky, that I'm super stupid, but in a way I kind of am, because I, I don't, uh, I, I can e- I can absorb stuff easier and some stuff not as easy. Mm. I, I, I get fearful sometimes when, it become, when the movie is historic, when it's about a time and place I have no reference to. And even though I've seen a movie or two featuring the North and South Korean conflict, you sometimes wonder if local matters yes they're known globally but they're making a local movie if that's gonna travel to external viewers if they will find you know a time and place and context and can relate you 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 don't want the filmmakers to make it too simplified either at the same time how do you think it strikes that balance of making it understandable for for global audience if we're being simple about it i think he really does and i think that may be in part what hurt him in Korea because it is simple enough that anybody who is only aware that the North and South have conflicts 
will be able to understand the story. Maybe it was a little bit too simple for Korean people who have, who have grown up with it. I think that's a hard balance to find, and he does okay. I, it, it held my interest, even though I was fully aware of what was going on between North and South. It's surprising that you say that, that audiences perhaps wanted something more in-depth and more complex, uh, um, and that would have perhaps generated interest. Uh, at the same time, I don't think he's... Uh, He's simplifying it to a point where he's providing, you know, huge speeches about, well, that North and South Korean conflict, what a doozy! <laughs> no, is... no, no, totally, totally. So, he, so he, he doesn't do that at all. He, he's quite matter-of-fact yeah. in terms of uh, setting up where we're at, looking at, uh, you know, he has sometimes uh, text on screen saying where we are, you know, he, we're in Berlin at the start of the movie and all of that, but he, he doesn't hold our hand throughout the movie and put, he, he doesn't put text on, on screen and tells us where we are now, who that person is, blah, blah, blah. D- there's enough context here to get to get us going. There's obviously a, a set piece already at the start of the movie with him being chased. And you, you have that hook in terms of, okay, why is he defecting? And why is he all of a sudden being tortured despite one scene earlier having quite a um, warm welcome, you know, when he gets into the car? I was slightly worried when that moment happened, by the way, when we cut to torture. But I think that's an understandable moment for us quickly, but the local audiences probably would understand that, yeah, the South is not going to let him in without without having a a say or two. And uh, I wanted to ask you, maybe this is a sensitive issue, but do you think it's at all controversial that it depicts uh, the South Korean side torturing torturing people or is that just common knowledge that just ends up in a movie and no one bats an eyelid i think speaking in 2018 it's a known known quantity that that certainly happened for a prolonged period of time in 2003 certainly internationally it would have been a shocker i don't necessarily think it would have been that much of a shock to the korean public you know it, it was obvious that these people, the ex-military coming to South Korea could well be spies and they were going to do what they could to find out whether they were or not. I'm not giving much of a spoiler away here. What I found more surprising was the fact that they so easily, after a couple of years, enlisted him into the South Korean military. Um, that that was more of a shock to me. I was like, really, would they do that? Really? You, you know what, it's a, it's a point, by the way, that I, for a little while, but I actually didn't let it affect my ultimate grade of the movie, for a little while I was a bit confused if the training was a flashback, and then I, wait a minute, no, he's training for them, for oh, south to north, he's not training, oh, uh, uh, okay, now I got it, I was yeah, yeah, ever yeah. so slightly confused, but I, I don't, I think it's down to me, rather than complete sloppiness in conveying time and place and context. I think, I think he pretty much, covered it well enough i it it didn't occur to me that it might be a flashback i just assumed he was that's where he was maybe that's just me but uh i I think he handled it well enough i i just i still wonder about the fact that he was employed by the south koreans um it just it just made me think "Mm, really can you can you are you sure you can trust him that much because he's gonna have access to stuff you know and that, that that was kind of the hook of the movie too. That maybe totally, it's a totally. it's a double, 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 double thing here. That uh, hmm. Well, we'll keep tabs on him. 
Yeah. Because, and we can let him do some stuff. And, uh, you know, he, I, I, I treated that in itself as as the hook when I realized that they are employing him after his uh, allegiances seem to be, you know, greenlit, uh, so to say. Even though that allegiance is um, mainly a bit of a spectacle in that scene where he uh, he's introduced um, to a set of audiences and he waves the South Korean flag and declares that you're humane, you're humane and declares it at the top of his lungs too. Exactly and and they find it funny the, the audiences which is the context I as a western viewer didn't fully get. I didn't disapprove of it, but I realized that they they're not they're laughing a bit because they they do find it goofy but they do approve to yeah. a degree and that that was again not a criticism it was just one of those things that it's local probably very well conceived context that uh, him shouting at the top of his lungs being a goofy northerner or something I don't know uh, yeah. but but we like him because he's now on our side so whatever we'll, we'll, we'll clap <laughs> the thing is it, it he avoids the unnatural exposition dumps I think because the lot of the sort of the way the movie thrusts forward is done for a dialogue, but I don't know if you noticed this uh, or made any sort of conscious note about the fact that the movie is both straight to the point, it develops at a leisurely pace, but characters are not very, you know, I, I, I think the term that comes to mind when I'm thinking about the, this movie, it's very soft-spoken in feel. It's, he, he almost tries to make it very realistic rather than movie in style and feel. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, he does that very well because I did, after I cleared out, okay, that's what it's about uh, and, and that's what she is about, blah, blah, blah. Then I realized that he, he's firmly, so to say, getting away with being very soft-spoken and not very, I, I, I used the term noisy, but not, not very insecure about how he conveys his beats. He's rather just playing them, letting it play without being David Mamet or Aaron Sorkin about his dialogue or anything like that. It's not show-offy. Yeah, I think I think that could be said for virtually all the characters as well. You know, if you look at his boss in the South Korean government agency, whatever, always very soft-spoken, always, you know, let's go to lunch and have a chat. And I, I, I think that's one of the, the film's strong points, that it is so quietly almost understated that you just don't know how many layers are there and and it's almost like he's depicting the grind too uh, the grind of uh, they're doing concrete work yes but they are government employees right so they're they're not obviously um, action guys like our guys in Shiri or anything like that Uh, so it it shows that that contrast in Hansu Q that it can be both uh, an intense action hero but also just trying to assimilate is is the point of his um, his character, you know. Is um, so so it's all, it's an unassuming kind of development that we get here, and people are just quietly sort of urging him to settle down, you know, and find a wife, and oh look, let's go to the church and meet a meet a, a friendly lady, you know. <laughs> yeah, I kind of appreciated that, Paul. That he was confident enough to not. Uh, especially for a debut director he, he he was confident to sort of you know be tempered about these things and it's gonna work out you know as a film critically at least maybe not audiences uh, friendly but you know at the same time it's not an like an art house thing that he's doing here it's very just straight 
straightforward and to me it wasn't dull or distant just because it's sort of soft spoken when um, you know when we do meet uh, the character of that, that we didn't hint at so much in the plot but the character of uh, Yun Sumi played by Ko So Young that was my last confusion because you know <laughs> I knew what she was about we, we we can sort of spoil this that she um, well we have to I uh, guess, she, uh, she she's a uh, uh, in the plot summary that you can find online she's said to be a North Korean sleeper agent and she's um, doing uh, and, and she's contacted our uh, main character Byung Ho here meaning that we find out 30 minutes in 40 minutes in that he is actually working for the North still. I understood that beat, but uh, and and also the the beat about um, the um, the the boat or boats that get uh, sunken later in the film. The only thing I didn't catch in that Paul was the fact that he apparently passed that info to the North, meaning that that mission would fail. I did, I don't know if uh, our director really depicted. No, that, he uh, did. No, he 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 almost stepped over that, and it was only spoken about yeah. after when they said, you know, oh, they'll think the the older North Korean says, oh, they'll think the Navy passed it, and later on they think the Navy passed it. You know, so it it was almost it was almost missed until you looked at it in hindsight. Those are only things like I, I gotta look at the plot summary or right? that. Okay, it was supposed to be that, she's that, he's that. But that that reveal, do you think that was dangerous to set in motion that early in the movie? Um, in terms of uh, Hansu Q's character that we know where the allegiance lies early in the movie. I think the director deliberately did it that early because his take on what the film was about wasn't is he or isn't he. It was ultimately he is and is he going to get away with it? Um, I think that was his thing from the outset, so he wanted to get that out of the way quickly. I think it came too early, personally. But it does have to be said that the literal Korean translation of the title is Double Agent, which kind of gives the game away a little bit. It was also released in some places under the title Comrade, which is far more vague, and I prefer to the nth degree, double agent almost says, you, you know, this is about a double agent, which is, you know, there you go. Who needs 30 minutes? I, I, I kind of agree. But then when you see the structure of the movie, it, every scene isn't about, have you found a traitor yet? Have you found a traitor yet? And he is like standing behind the other side of the door. Like they're on to That's me. very true. That's so, very so, true. So thankfully what wasn't about that, he was just continued to sort of grind. And uh, when those beats are brought to the foreground uh, yeah foreground meaning that the, the character that Chun Ho Jin plays his superior uh, uh, Bak Sung Chol is his character's name meaning that it seems like he doesn't really trust Byung Ho or does he when our director came started to feed the movie with that I thought that was a good drive for the movie without again making it into a pulse pounding thing he he really rejects that, I think, yeah, uh, and just sort of spikes the movie at certain points, as you alluded to earlier, with some action set pieces. But I'm kind of glad that it just kept it sort of mild-mannered and soft and yeah. without being um, incoherent. Totally, and I would agree with you. I would also say that maybe that is part of why it wasn't seen as a success by audiences. 
it's a difficult call, but it, it worked for me rather than not working for me. I think so. I mean, I, I, I can take a movie that um, just does its thing at a very leisurely pace and doesn't make uh, that, that noise. Uh, I mean, we have, of course, some some mid-movie tension where where these uh, two North Korean characters are uh, found out almost and uh, there needs to be someone needs to be taken out because they need to cover their tracks i, I won't spoil that though because uh, it's a major little thing made movie and the the method is quite unique it is and that's the um, a sign of the movie actually having uh, the chops technically and storytelling wise to provide um, brutality Re- yeah, and totally. uh, really i mean we, we've seen torture scenes yes but uh this is the most um, graphic brutality in the movie, and uh, he, he he does uh, he he does that very well, I think. And uh, the delicate situation, you know, being sleeper agents and all of that, but also some some of them being more ruthless than others. The 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 sort of human theme feeds into my movie by this point that some of the characters slightly older some younger and obviously they, they, this is a self perspective but some of the characters have been thrust into this because this is all they've ever known yeah. and uh, it's I'm keeping it very vague because I, I don't want to spoil this but it's sometimes a bit unfair for certain characters to be in the position they are and they're, they're not these um, killing machines a la Shiri or anything they're um, their humanity is not far off, but uh, their allegiance to the Workers' Party is close to them as well, as conflicted as they might feel about that. And I do I do like the fact that the director on that thing puts in a line of dialogue where one character says to another, your emotions will, will destroy you. You have to have no emotions to succeed. And saying that to someone who is clearly an emotional being is quite... You know that worked for me. That that sort of hit a hit a note as far as I was concerned. You, you described it very well, but it could go so wrong when you put the line so that's so clear in terms of what it's saying and what it's gonna have to do with the plot. Probably because it is a telltale sign of someone's emotions are gonna gonna it's gonna equal tragedy. And I like that he uh, he he was perfectly confident and skilled to to make that work it's not the most deep thematic uh, but but it works for the sort of thriller aspect too of the movie and a uh, little bit of humanity worked into it he he is good Hans Q and I, I i want your notes in general on him of course but i think the actor i responded mostly to is uh, chun ho jin as uh, the senior agent uh, bak bak sung chul i i think he he is this uh, sort of nicely governmental straight-laced senior you know he is in charge and without having to raise his voice but he is he is quite subtle in terms of does he know more than he's given off i think he is because he's not dumb he seems like he can manipulate situations and the actor is uh, you know providing kind of the utmost frequency that you need to to make a performance like that work because it's not uh, he's not going to be a a shouty kind of guy, catch him, catch him, you gotta fucking catch him. It's more, uh, he, he's gonna do even uh, his biggest manipulation, um, and uh, uh, even when he knows the full story of someone, he isn't uh, going aggressive or anything. You know, uh, towards the end of the movie, he rides around in trying to catch someone, right? His performance doesn't come become too intense in that regard. I really like the balance that Chun Ho Jin provided in that regard. Um, 
I think that all comes down to him as an actor. Um, any of you who don't know who Chun Ho Jin is, he began his career in 1986, and he has been in films virtually every year from 1986 till 2017. Some huge films, The Unjust. Uh, he was in I Saw the Devil. He was in The Guard Post, which is hugely new Korean cinema. The Treacherous, you know, he's a huge, huge star. And he's one of those people that you look at him and you think, I should know who he is. And I kind of recognize him, but I can't place him. He's almost an actor that that just does what he does excellently. And you remember the character and you remember how good it was, but you don't remember it was him. He's almost faceless. I can imagine he can be a chameleon without hiding. Yeah, totally. But 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 obviously, uh, Hansu Q, uh, you know, it, it's a softer role. The movie's designed as a bit more soft. And again, versus Shiri, you know, would you give someone who's interested in the different sides of Hansu Q, would you give them Shiri or something else and Double Agent? So if you're interested in the in what he can bring, then Double Agent is a choice? Or If someone was interested in the beginning of a career, I'd let them see him in Shiri. If I was showing them who Hansa Q is, I would give them three films. I'd give them Double Agent because he is really almost mild-mannered, understated. I'd give them White Knight because it's a, a powerful performance by, you know, a veteran actor. And I would give them Christmas in August because it was early in his career and it's probably, to my mind, even more understated and subtle than than double agent those would be my three and and he actually that uh, underplaying and script driven uh, ethic that he has i think it's a quite in full on full display in double agent uh, obviously steered by the director and the script but i do like that uh, even when he's thinking you know um and or being about to be found out or whatever he doesn't do much but not too little either which i you know it's not a, the grandest thing to say as a critic but uh you know, it's communicated, and even though he needs to raise his voice every now and again, and show that he's also action able uh, as an agent, he has training. You know, I I think all of that is quite um, effective. You know, he, he flows through each sort of uh, f- from non intensity to intensity, whether you know ch- choking a character temporarily or actually you know beating the shit out of someone. Yeah, it it, it feels very natural, and you. You don't expect it necessarily from the actor. He doesn't seem like he could bring intensity because he, he looks kind, you know, but he actually has that in him very naturally. It's bottled up uh, for a reason uh, because he, he can't give away anything. <laughs> you know, you know he, he, he doesn't glare when he's behind closed doors. I'm nerve. And then when yeah, someone totally. says, you know, it isn't that kind of performance, even though that's obviously a verging on parody. I have to say, I do love the fact that no matter whether he's saying something that he doesn't mean or not saying anything, he has a way of always making it clear that the cogs are ticking in his head. You can almost you can almost see him thinking. He he's been able to do that through every role he's done. And you know, that's one of the strongest things about him for me. It it is natural and you can almost see what's going on in his head just by him being in a scene. In in the end I didn't have any problems uh, buying the uh, uh, the transition that his character and Ko so young uh, w- what they become a part of that transition because I think she plays fragile and doubtful quite well um, she ha- has that look because she's young 
and she isn't that trained North Korean agent animal or anything. She's not going to cut anyone's head off. The movie isn't really about uh, them having these... It's not lovey-dovey in terms of their no, connection. And I, I guess it's really up to you if you believe that mild spoiler, okay, that he would um, do what he does for her. Within the story, I did. It, I wouldn't say it's emotionally affecting where I carried the movie with me a week after in terms of what he does for her. It's not doubtful handling by our director, Kim, and I had no problem like f- following through on that storyline that um, that develops towards the end uh, that I want to keep spoiler-free because, if anything, that is the uh, hook. Like, will will he, will she, won't they kind of uh, hook of the movie? Like, uh, we, we, we thought the hook was... Is he, is he south or is he north? We find that out early. <laughs> yeah, um, totally. So I, I I think he has no problem following that through. And uh, Although I could predict some beats toward the end, um, I, I didn't have any problems the, having some f- familiarity, you know, when it switches uh, geography. Let, let's just say that and uh, what yeah, happen, yeah. happens towards the end. I kind of knew, but um, the movie had its uh, end game and um, you can't re- reinvent the wheel every time, but you can do a good job going down some tried uh, tried and uh, you know puffs and all of that so you know from my point of view by that stage the stage you're talking about it had been an accomplished enough first effort that had drawn me in enough that i bought into everything i bought into the ending as well even though i was familiar with it and i could almost see it coming i i allowed it to come that says a lot for a first time director's film i think I think so, and uh, even the, be, be, uh, like a, a reel or two before this, uh, the movie kicks into be uh, kicks into gear, really in terms of the procedural beats. It becomes uh, a case to solve in a way, uh, and those procedural beats I think were effective. The way they uncovered the events of the uh, the brutal murder that happens mid movie, and uh, using the artist sketches and uh, the witness testimony to sort of put put, put all the pieces together. That's why I think Chun Ho Jin in those scenes where he's riding in a car chasing someone or just, you know, and he asks a character to lunch towards the end of the movie and you sort of know that, oh. Yeah, something, something's going on. But he does, he hasn't, you know, I really like the actor for that. He doesn't have that uh, telltale sign. Sign. He just very, let's go to lunch. Yes, sir. Of course. That That's a neat little balance that not all feature debut directors can pull off uh, and not every actor can pull off you you can't com- you need to communicate that you need to get the tone and volume and frequency right and that is i think effing hard some of my favorite moments are those where we know now oh my shit's about to go down but the movie isn't the kind of movie that says that that loudly that i just did you know it's just my like oh Oh, oh boy, oh boy! Here we go. Something's yeah, gonna happen, yeah. but the movie keeps its uh, keeps its tone even, if you will. So, um, so I, a neat little, neat little underrated movie, I think. Um, I'm I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad we agree. And as we said before, we actually started recording. I'm kind of surprised because I rated it, and then you hear that it was such a huge flop. Everybody hated it, and you think, well, really, I didn't. So I'm glad that we agree sometimes i don't know it takes someone maybe not I, I, I lump you in with this as well so sometimes it takes someone maybe not you know following 
each and every step the actor and the media takes as a movie yeah. is about to come out. Maybe you know when you're not hooked into it all. Maybe when you have a distance to it all, you know you're not in the middle of the Korean media frenzy necessarily, true, true. even if you follow it uh, yeah, from totally. the UK. And maybe that helps that we don't, uh, you know, I we don't so. we don't have the media images of the person necessarily in front of us. As we watch the movie. And even if we do, if it's a good actor and a good story, then then you can separate the two. But I just have a feeling that because we didn't follow the 1999 to 2003 development of Hansu Q and his uh, changing image in the, in the eyes of the audiences and the crappy media, maybe we just sort of watched the movie. And unfortunately, some people uh, watched it with a different set of uh, specs on. That's I don't know. probably very true. So uh, hopefully it can find a life and, uh, you know, maybe amidst some Western fans, it does have a life, even though you it isn't brought up. So, But uh, I'm glad you picked it. So I'm very, uh, very happy, happy that it worked out. And a, and a smooth, smooth two hours as well, 122 or three minutes. So although I'm not uh, allergic to long running times, I mean, I, I watched uh, yesterday all the way through without a break. I watched um, David Fincher's uh, Zodiac. That's a long movie. Ooh, yeah. when, well, when you're good, then Kennedy sits down and sticks with you. So. <laughs> uh, but as for availability of uh, Double Agent, uh, the various DVDs across Asia, you know, meaning Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Korea, they're not in print anymore. But uh, the Amazon Marketplace holds some reasonable priced copies currently of the Korean edition. Uh, the only English subtitled edition of the UK counterpart of the Amazon Marketplace it goes for about sixty pounds and upwards now. Now though, so. Stick with the US and see if you can find a good deal on 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 the DVD there or um, or eBay, of course. But um, you know, sixty pounds, uh, you, you you wait for the price to go down. You know, uh, and I'm not saying that just because it's only a DVD. I think sixty pounds for anything that's not a special edition or collectible of some. I mean, it, it's an un- unacceptable price. It really is, and it, it's a diss movie for heaven's sake. I mean, it's it's another thing if if it's a high profile movie everybody's trying to get a copy of it then i get it but for double agent man like take it down to 20 pounds that's a bit too expensive but it's acceptable it really is acceptable and uh i, I can't rival uh i can't rival uh the rent uh the, the rent skills of uh of uh, pq but uh I did my best. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> At any rate, uh, we are done, and uh, that's um, that's uh, you know this this theme done and dusted. I always have a movie in mind that set, then leaves my effing memory because it's one of those like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. Let's let's pick that movie. Let's try and pair it up with something, and I it simply left my memory because um, oh yeah, I well I probably had two ideas, but one idea was to. Um, again sort of bringing something that Paul, Paul definitely wouldn't say no to but it's also on the theme of something that's underrated it seems and audiences passed it by just because the, the the performer in this case did something different and I'm thinking mainly of um, of The Uninvited actually because uh, I do remember Jun Ji-hyun you know veered off her my sassy girl image and did uh, an understated horror movie and audiences went bleh yeah, well, the audiences that went bleh were, frankly, wrong. And I say that definitively. <laughs> I would adore doing The Uninvited because I think it is one of the most... There are a couple of 
new Korean cinema horrors that stand up as being deeply underrated and deeply worth a watch. And The Uninvited is one of them. Acacia is another. And I, and I do always, uh, and at one point we're gonna do, if not next time uh, or the the time after after the next, uh, we're we're gonna do the Quiet Family because that that gives us an excuse to do a bonus episode on uh, the Japanese remake uh, that you like more than the Korean re- uh, the Korean movie. I already have it on another show recorded and oh. saved, so oh, <laughs> hung by my own petard. Takashi Miki's Happiness of the Katakuras is a is a welcome view in the PQ household. He should he should just be deeply proud that the Korean obsessive rates his film. There you go. Um, just before we leave, before I forget, before we leave Double Agent, I have one final little tag that you can choose to leave in or cut out. At the very beginning, after Hansa Q's character is tortured and he sits down with his boss for the first time, the boss says to him. Why did you leave North Korea? And Hansa Q's character said, because I wanted to see actress Jung Yoon Hee. And it just occurred to me that anybody that's watching it might want to know who she is. Um, She's a hugely veteran actress. She's been in thousands of films. I I was going to print off a list and I thought I don't have enough paper. Um, She was in The General's Moustache. She was in oceans of films and her latest film was Lee Chang Ho's poetry in I think 2012 or 13. He is if nothing else referenced a hugely famous still active actress. Oh, it's a more nuanced answer than that I, I came here for freedom which is just like the standardized answer Answer it sounds like so he, he's, he's, he says something to charm his uh, so then South Korean captors I suppose. Okay, cool. And uh, that's uh, we 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 go into a think tank and see what we can come up with. But those are some spontaneous plans. And I've never seen The Uninvited, but I'm I'm motivated in terms of. I, I think it's a good movie that was o- overlooked for the wrong reasons. They, uh, we we want we don't want that. We want that instead. Pour some pasta yeah. on someone or puke on someone. That's yeah. what we like. Like let there let someone go. vary up their image for heaven's sake. And thankfully she's been able to do so. Uh, John G Hyun. It's not like uh, in 2018 someone says my sassy girl free or my sassy girl four. They, they've accepted her new image so to say. So it's all good now. It's all good now. I think I think it's a good choice. So uh, let's uh, finish this one off for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, including the back catalogue of What's Korean Cinema episodes. Go to podcastonfire.com, subscri- subscribe to us on iTunes, stream us on Stitcher, and join us over on social media and uh, let us know what you uh, thought of if you've seen Double Agent uh, or any other movie with uh, Han Suk Q or any other movie with uh, Jun Ji Hyun. Did you see Ilmer? Did you see The Lake House? Uh, let us know how angry you were after you saw The Lake House. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, you're welcome in and uh, to uh, join the chat and all of that so uh, I'll keep uh, the contact info short for now but uh, I'll give you a final plug for the co-producer of this episode Paul Quinn so uh, what do you do when you're not waffling on with me on here when I'm not waffling on with you I'm waffling on on my own on hangelcelluloid.com as we've already said, I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Celluloid. I'm at Twitter at, at Hangelcelluloid. Um, if you go into Google and type Hangelcell, it'll bring up Celluloid and just click on it, go and have a look. Reviews, interviews, and a, a, a few rants here and there. Thankfully, you, you picked a, a, a distinctive name rather than like Friend, the Korean Cinema Review website. <laughs> oh, I know. So. <laughs> like, 
oh, I'm not gonna get noticed on Google. <laughs> and that and 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 that movie, by the way, did uh, did uh, did not do itself any any services in terms of googling uh, but for a Westerner to try to Google the Korean movie friend. Difficult. There are, there are quite a few Korean movies that are rather difficult to Google as well. You know, it's just part of the deal, I guess. Especially if you uh, now that the the remake of Tale of Two Sisters, Call the Uninvited, uh, spoiled spoiled the party a little bit uh, that way, you know. Yeah, very much so, really. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, we are done for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I've been Kennedy, and with me was Paul Quinn of Hangul Celluloid. So say goodbye, buddy. See you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>